The Lord is good. If you believe, we say a loud amen. amen. Can we take our declaration of understanding so we can quickly get into our study for this evening? Let's declare the word together. One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It's giving me light and direction. It's healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Now receive that that you have declared today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Greater likeness of Jesus will appear in your character in Jesus' name. Amen. Every affliction, every trouble, every lack has been taken care of in Jesus' name. Amen. The word is coming forth and is releasing the abundance of heaven into your life. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Alright, the Lord is good. Let's take our seat. Greet somebody as you are doing that. We'll continue praying. It's our school of prayer. But like um, we've been doing for some days, we're looking at the higher purpose of Christ for Christian prayer. And we must not forget the things that we have said. We have established the fact that, that's what we did last time, that the fact that something works does not mean that's what God wants us to be involved in. I took time to explain once again the difference between what I call spiritualism and what is true spirituality. And that people operating spiritualism can get results. Alright, it's not just the fact that you are doing, now, let me say it again. The fact that you are doing something which appears spiritual and is producing results is not what matters. What matters in Christianity is that the name of Jesus is being glorified. What matters is that the weapons of our warfare are operated through God. Do you follow my point? Alright, for the pulling down of strongholds, for bringing down everything that is exalted against the knowledge of Christ. I hope you're getting my point here. Yes, so spiritual things, even though they may seem to work, depending on how we operate them, we must be careful not to be carried away. We must be careful not to be carried away. Last time I explained extensively that the fact that, um, that in the, we've talked about spiritualism, that even when you leave the spiritualism realm, and you are going to the realm of true spirituality, that is, now you are dealing with God your Father. You know, because God the judge, you can, anybody can deal with God the judge. You don't have to be a Christian to get something out of the hands of God the judge. You just walk up to him and say and de- demand, avenge me of my adversaries. Because he's the judge of the whole earth. Abraham said it. Would the judge of the whole earth not do what is right? He's the judge of the whole earth. He will always do what is right. So even if a wicked person will go and plead a particular case, God will not say, because you are a wicked person, I will not listen to you. This is a judgment seat right now. Just like an arm robber can sue. I mean, the other day I, <laughs> I heard that um, um, one man, in, uh, that, is it Brovich? That, that guy that killed by a hundred people. One of these European countries. What's his name again? Three, four years ago, he killed, he just went to, a, is he in Sweden? He just, he just killed about... Um, over a hundred, about eighty people in a camp, but he killed almost a hundred people. You understand? Just shooting them. So you find that so this guy, 
he's, he's in prison now. That's why I'm to make. And you know, he sued the government for infringing on his fundamental human rights because they put him in solitary confinement. In that European country, they don't, they don't, they don't do the death sentence. So he's in, he's in prison for about 30 years or so, not even life imprisonment. So now he's in solitary confinement and he's alone for about uh, 23 hours a day. So he said that is not, and the, in that his solitary confinement, he has a television. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. But he sued the government. That's what I'm making. The fact that he's a convicted mass murderer does not change the fact that he has rights and he can go to court. Of course, by the time the court heard the case, they ruled against him, but on principle, not because they are angry with him. On principle, they said, listen, that the steps taken by the prison authority, you know, they are appropriate for the circumstances. And so they are not infringing on his right being a convicted criminal. That is, within the context of everything, they had to listen to him. They couldn't say that he's in jail, he cannot petition. I hope you're getting my point. Now, and that's how it is. You know, one of the things you must understand about law, the way the law operates, if you read your Bible, you see it's like that in heaven too. You have God the judge, then you have an advocate, then you have an accuser. That's just the way it works on the earth also. And each person brings his petition, and God hears the petition. Abraham was a, an advocate when he was pleading for Sodom and Gomorrah. And Jesus decided, that is, God decided to listen to him clearly. He had to. So you must understand that in the realm of the Spirit, it works like that also. Anybody, anybody can petition God the judge. Anybody, anybody can petition him. But we'll not go beyond that level. We talked about that extensively last time. We'll not go beyond that level. We're going to the realm of relationship, in which God is not just a judge to you now. He's the Father. I hope you're getting my point. And you come to him through Christ Jesus. Now listen to this. No one can come into that relationship outside of Christ. No matter how good you are, no matter how much you petition, no matter how much you know how to meditate and pray, no matter how much you try, no one can do that except through Christ Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father. That was the emphasis. Coming to the Father, it has to be through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, so even when we get to that level, we said last time, we have to be careful what we use our relationship for. We have to be careful. We don't go and use our relationship to be looking for food, for clothing. You see, people like um, uh, Solomon, under the covenant of Israel, they could approach unto God in a special relationship that they had. And then God said, okay, ask for, for me anything you will want. And he did not ask for uh, uh, riches. He did not ask for honor. He did not ask for the life of his enemies. And did not ask for a long life for himself. And God was impressed. And I explained to us last time, we must never forget it. Because many times Christians appear as if they've forgotten that this Bible was written for their own instructions. These things were written for their learning. They are supposed to go there and take um, uh, examples. You know, learn from the people that have worked with God. What are the things that please the Father? We should know those things. So in this particular situation, we'll find out that God made it clear that people who come to him, Banking their heads about their needs, they don't impress him. People come asking for riches, honor, long life, and even the lives of their enemies, they don't impress him. We have been saying that. So we see that when Christians gather and they say, tonight, every need in your life, we are going to fire them. You know, that prayer meeting does not excite God. We say, today, all your enemies will die. You know, God is not happy with that prayer at all. Even though we may have testimonies, that after I stayed up the whole night, 
finally I got 5,000 naira. Are you getting my point? You know, there are things God gives you that stop crying. Do you understand my point? You know, you have a spoiled child who's crying. Sometimes you give the child something, just stop crying. And sometimes people get things out of God like that. It's like, stop crying, baby. Baby. Carnal Christian. Let's use the King James word that makes people feel bad. Carnal Christian. Stop crying. Take the motor car, drive it. Eh? Let there be peace in heaven. Take. What shall we eat? Take food. Eat and be full. And let us have other things to attend to here. You are clouding, you are clouding the gates of heaven with your incessant petitions on irrelevant things. You are praying like the Gentiles. And Jesus told his disciples, you must be careful not to pray the way the Gentiles pray. Now that statement is very important, alright? That we must be careful. You ask yourself, I'm going to pray. What, will, uh, what are the Gentiles praying about? Many people gave their lives to Christ. They've not learned the things of Christianity. Do you hear what I said? Yeah, it's possible. You give your life to Christ, but you have not yet learned the things of Christianity. It is very, very possible. Sometimes you find a situation where somebody, we are used to going to the shrines and, um, you know, the way we pray to the gods. This time around, we exchange the gods. Before it was Obatala, it was Amadioha. Now, it is Jesus Christ. It's still the same prayer. Let me say it to us again. We must be careful to learn the kind of things you bring before God in petition as a Christian. As a Christian. As a Christian, be very careful. Alright? Jesus made it clear. We must not pray the way the Gentiles, you know, used to pray. Now, so, that, those are the things we have been looking at. We also want to continue in that light again today. What are the things that God made prayer for, for us believers? Let's read that again, what we read it last time, the book of Matthew chapter 6. We'll start from verse 5. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That is, deliver us from doing evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory and all of that. Amen. Now, why uh, are we reading this again? I want to look at what Jesus expects us to do with prayer. Last time we took an important statement from there when he said in verse 11, Give us this day our daily bread. I was emphatic when I said it. Jesus was not talking about natural bread. He was talking about the bread that came down from heaven. We know that the word of God is our bread. He said that man shall not live by physical bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He said by those words will man live. Very important we get those points. So last time we explained that when we are praying, if we are following what Jesus is saying here, he was not saying, ask for the Lord to give you material bread. 
he was saying that there is a bread you need for each season of your life. We said that if you have the right bread, you will see the enemies in the promised land. You will not be afraid of them. Caleb had the right bread. Joshua had the right bread. So that built strength and confidence into them. And for that reason, they were not afraid of the giants when they saw the giants. So when we want to pray, believers, let's never forget. Ask God for a word. There is a word that will carry you through each season of your life. When we don't succeed by our own strength, when the Bible says that those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength, what it was saying is that those who depend on God for strength, it wasn't talking about fasting, even though fasting is right. But you must understand again, quickly let me just drop it, Christian fasting is not the same thing as Hindu fasting. Christian fasting is not the same thing as when Jews sinned and they wanted to show their repentance. That's not Christian fasting. When Christians fast, what they are doing is that they are setting themselves aside and concentrating with, uh, uh, they are concentrating on the Word of God. They are concentrating on spiritual things. They are contemplating Christ by, in reality, that is, in real time, taking time aside to pray, to study, to hear messages preached, to read, to focus on spiritual things. I say boldly, and I'm not, I'm not changing, but I've said this for many, many years. It is not the depth of your hunger that says you are fasting as a believer. It is not. The idea of your stomach hurting you and you say you are putting it down so that you fast is not what Christianity is about. Christianity is that every other thing, including food, is a distraction. Do you get my point? So you cannot say you are fasting and therefore you are not eating, but you are watching football. Did you hear what I said? You can't say you are fasting. You are not eating, but you are on Facebook. You can't say you are fasting. You are not eating. You are thinking of your problems. And for you, the claim to fame, <laughs> you understand know what I mean? The claim to fast is that I have not eaten. Please don't fool yourself. Go and eat. God would rather a Christian who has eaten a light meal, but he's not thinking of his problems or her problems. God would rather have a Christian who has eaten a light meal and is not on Facebook. God would rather a Christian who has eaten a night meal and is not in the office solving accounting problems, solving customer relationship issues, and saying they are fasting. No. Sometimes I see Christians, they say they are fasting. Why are you fasting? You have not eaten, so you think you are fasting. And you are a banker. You are in the banking hall from morning till evening. Do you get my point? Please, if you are going to work, eat. It does, it has not, I'm not saying you can't fast, but it has not broken the fast any more than talking to a customer has broken the fast. Did you hear what I said? Yes, I'm not joking about it. Stop. This Hinduism must stop. Because sometimes it gives us a sense of false righteousness. Are you getting my point? That's why when Daniel wanted to wait on God for a long time, what he did was that he did not eat pleasant food. What he meant, listen, those men knew how to eat. That is, remember when he was a young boy, when they wanted to feed him in the courts of the king, remember how they were going to feed them. Those things did not come to an end. So each meal was a proper meal. It took time. They gave you an opener, you know, first course. They gave you the main course, you know. The, then dessert will come. All those kind of things. Daniel said, no. I'll just grab a few slices of bread, grab a, a, a mug of um, cocoa or something, or, you know, tea, and eat and drink while I'm on my way to work. I didn't have time to... And he was working. Don't forget, it was an official in the kingdom. But every time he has a break, he has gone to meditate and chant. That's what he understood. 
And many of those things are proper. He will sit down in a particular position and chant the scriptures and chant the book of Psalms. He, you know, chant things like, um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, the, you know, the, the, he that watches Israel does not sleep, he does not slumber. And he chants things like that again and again. And when break time is over, he's back in his office, attend to the king's affairs. Are you getting my point? <laughs> While attend to the king's affairs, if he gets really hungry, please, can somebody give me one donut there? He will eat it, drink water, and continue working. It has not broken his fast any more than the accounting that he's doing. It has not broken his fast. I hope you're getting my point here. It's, Christians are very interesting. They, they will do every other thing apart from eat and say they are fasting. You are not fasting. You are hungry. Even the Hindus I talk about, go and check how they do their own. They will go to remote mountains, remote you know, caves, cold areas, and settle. They're not running up and down. So I'm not saying running up and down is bad. I'm just saying if you need to run up and down, fuel up. Don't give the kingdom problems. I hope I am clear. I hope you believe me. <laughs> Some people are still down. It's not your fault. You have left a bad habit for 30 years. I expect to change it in 30 seconds. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> but don't worry. You will soon join me. That's just an aside, okay? When Christians want to fast, therefore, you must understand the purpose. The purpose is not to impress God with your suffering. Did you hear what I said? The purpose is not to impress God with your suffering. God listened to Hannah after she ate and drank when she understood purpose. Go and read your Bible well. So what is Christian fast? It's time we take aside and say to the Lord, I need my bread from heaven. So that people are on Facebook. I can't be on Facebook. I'm facing heaven. I hope you're getting my point here. I'm facing heaven. I'm facing heaven. They are following up somebody. They are, you know, they are following on Instagram. I don't have time for that. I need to hear a word from heaven. So, even though, even though I'm driving to work, a message is playing. A song of worship is playing. And I'm singing along. During break at work, instead of sitting down with the boy and saying, man, what happened weekend? How was your weekend? No. I found an excuse to go to one corner. They just observe that you are frequently the toilet. It's not like you are doing anything there. You don't need the, the white bowl. What you need is what? The quietness. No, people don't go around that area much. Like Pastor W.F. Kumi said those days, that when he was in school, when it's time to eat, he didn't used to go when everybody would go because the, the cafeteria would be crowded. He will go if, if food is supposed to, lunch is supposed to end by two o'clock, he will go quarter to two. Knowing that everybody will have come by twelve, one. Then he will stay for just a few minutes and then be out of there. Now he will use all those tricks, okay, to redeem the time. So even though you are working like Daniel, you can break time. It's time you're supposed to chill out, you know, relax with your colleagues and eat and discuss. Sometimes you will miss, now listen to this. There are times that Let's assume that you have to eat with everybody. He said, no, break time is one hour. The only place to catch my meal is in the cafeteria with everybody. So I will not eat. He said, but what if I'm tired? Then I'll get a small donut and eat it standing. Do you get my point? Drink water. I'll be done with that in five minutes. Instead of spending one hour in the canteen. Then in other, the balance for the whole one hour, since all of them left the office, I stayed behind. I said, this, this, this period, I must finish the book of Ephesians. And I go through it line by line. And I pray. I listen to a 15-minute message. And I pray. And I speak in the, you know, in the Spirit. I pray in the Spirit. I speak in other tongues. I do all kinds of things. Just to fill my time with spiritual things. 
It is not whether I'm hungry or full that God is checking. I hope you're getting my point. The man who's not, who, who has not eaten, but is on Facebook, is going to be hearing from hellfire. I hope you're getting my point. <laughs> yeah. You'll be hearing things that demons are saying. <laughs> because, if, well, look, if you open to the realm of the spirit, realm of the spirit and the realm of the spirit, it's the direction you are facing that's the issue. I hope you're getting my point here. It's the direction you are facing that is the issue. So Christians, please, we must remember that. That's how we get the word from heaven. That's how we get, we get the word from heaven. We know in our hearts that I cannot overcome by my own energy. I cannot overcome by my own strength. So I take, look, taking that time out to go and pray to ask God for the bread for the season is a sign that faith, your faith is real. So there are times it costs you. So that's a lot of mixed up Christianity with hunger. Because a lot of people, it was that eating time they could find. Did you hear what I said? It was that eating time they could find. A lot of people. So they left, they let it go. So they said the man gave up food. No, he didn't give up food for food's sake. I hope you're getting my point. What he gave up was what? The time, the things that would occupy his time. In that situation, it was food. So he let it go. He wasn't trying to impress God with his hunger. He was just saying that, look, the only way to get food now is to kill one hour. One of my classmates in school, let's, let, let's go and eat some of his friends. It was not my friend, but I heard the story later. He will consider the time to trek from where they are reading in the Faculty of Engineering. Because you know we guys can read anywhere. All the way, half a way around the campus to the cafeteria. And back there, he will say, I'm not eating. Why? I want to read. He wasn't fasting for food. But what happened was that he considered that it would take us maybe like 20 minutes to trek there, then join the queue for food, and then get the food, then eat the food, then come back. The guy checked that minimum one hour, 30 minutes will go. He said, tomorrow is the exam. Please let the food wait. For us Christians also, we may have to do such things. And my emphasis is not food, actually. It's for Christians to understand it covers every other thing. Sometimes you can't go for the barrier. Yes, it's your great auntie and the whole family expects to be there. The whole family should also understand that you have to make progress in life. I said, no, why won't you be there? I said, my cousin in America, is he going to be there? I hope you get my point. My cousin from America, is he going to be there? No. But you people are not quarreling with him. Because distance is a good excuse. But my spirituality is not a good excuse. Better accept it too. That this, this great auntie, I beg, she can die in peace. Let the dead bury the dead. As for me, I must discover the word of God. Some Christians, are, they are busy all the time. There was a man I knew then. Ah, okay, I come for Bible study now. Ah, somebody died. Ah, you know people die every day, so they get buried every weekend. And the more the number of people you know, the more the number of funerals that will concern you. Better make up your mind early in life how to redeem your, your time. I will not discuss that further. Sometimes it will be as if I have, I have a personal anger with football. I don't. It's just that that is the malady of today's young men, even old men. Because men don't stop this football craze because they are now old. One of my colleagues once. I don't know if people remember the time of High TV. You know, High TV came, stayed for some time, and then disappeared. So High TV got the, the rights to air the premiership. So that time, DSTV full bouquet was 10,000 naira. This was long ago. High TV was like 5,005 or so. And now 15,000 naira total at that time was big money. Not, I mean, it's like maybe 
equivalent of something like uh, 35, 40,000 naira now. The time I'm telling you about it, of course, if you remember, that would be like 30,000. So, and I knew it was not very rich. So when they were talking about that, this high TV thing, it's good Nigerians are doing it too, but that it has increased his um, monthly expenditure. That now he has to pay high TV to be able to watch premiership. And that's why he's still paying DSTV for the full bouquet. He has to watch golf and he has to watch um, tennis. So three things he watched. Golf, tennis, and football. So he, got, he, he will watch golf and tennis on DSTV full bouquet and then the other football games. Therefore, for, for premiership, he will go to high TV and then watch... Uh, was it high TV? High TV, right? Okay. He will go to high TV to catch his premiership. So that was costing him about 15,500 naira every month. Then, which is like 37,000 naira today. So I said, why do you, I knew he was not very rich. I said, why do you do that? He said, oh God, that's how he talks to me. He said, oh God, it's my beer money. <laughs> that was the explanation. And really, he used to drink beer. So he, he said he has checked it. Two bottles of beer a day. 30 days. Look, Oga. Okay. <laughs> I should check it. It's not more than what he's spending. So instead of buying beer, he pays for the tennis. He pays to watch TV. When he said it, I had to keep quiet. He says my beer money. Once he said that, and I had some funny habits that time. I won't tell you what. So I learned that bad one from the guy. So if my wife complains that you are finishing this thing, I said, think about it. Two bottles of beer a day. <laughs> <laughs> Which all men that drink have heard them. They said two bottles is not drinking. They're just normal. It's like just to maintain your, your normal level. That's how to keep the brain balanced. Those who drink, they drink like ten bottles. But those who don't drink two bottles a day. So I decided, okay, since I don't drink at all, I have to clean my two bottles. <laughs> the Lord is good. Now, sometimes we believers, we should learn that thing also. Sometimes you spend time. They say, ah, why do you go for this conference? Not even in Nigeria, you have to travel once a year. Three weeks intensive, you know, pumping with the word of God. Tell them it's my beer money. Yeah, you are not rich, but it's your beer money. You get what I'm going to explain. But that's what they call fasting. That's what I'm going to explain. We give up something to focus on spiritual matter. We give up something to focus on spiritual things. We give up something to tap into the word of God. So when Jesus said, pray, give us this day our daily bread. That's what he meant. I get on my knees. Listen. Spiritual things are real. What did I say? Listen, the word of God is medicine. It cures sicknesses. It does. It cures sicknesses. If we give it attention, it cures. It interacts with our bodies in reality. It does. The problem is that we don't give it enough attention. When we now want to pray, we will now be praying for healing, 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 provision, provision. God said you don't understand. That's not the way it works. Once you are focusing on those things, you have reduced the power of the word. Focus on the word. Those things are added automatically. I, I heard the Prince say something. I listened to him. If, well, I heard that message over the last few weeks. 
He said, it was the time he was an associate pastor in a church, the name of the church in the United States. Uh, part of his duties as a Christ, as a pastor, an associate pastor, was to visit the sick. So he did a lot of home visits, going from one house to the other, visiting those who were sick. And he was alarmed at the number of Christians who were sick. And he was alarmed that these are people who believe, who had faith. They are faith people. You know, it was not pastoring another orthodox church or stuff like that. This is a Bible-believing faith church. They believed in healing and all of that. He said, why are they so sick? So he began to pray. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit helped him understand. A scripture came, rose up in his heart. He said, he that sows to the flesh, will from the flesh reap corruption. And the Holy Spirit told him that they are sowing to the flesh. What they are reaping is the result of what they are sowing to where. I now quoted a figure done by a, not a Christian organization, a marketing, um, a marketing company. They were doing the survey of how to penetrate into the Christian world. They knew there was good dollar. These people were not doing it for righteousness sake. They were going after the Christian dollar. They wanted the Christian money. So they said, okay, how do we penetrate? So they now did a survey of Christian behavior. And they published it. Secular business, not a Christian business. They were not trying to do anything bad or good. They said, let's see how we can make money advertising to Christians. And they found out then that the average Christian watched three hours of television a day and read his Bible for 63 minutes a week. Did you hear what I said? Let's make it simple to remember. Three hours of TV a week, one hour a day, one hour of Bible a week. That they are busy sowing to the flesh. Occasionally, they now want to come and pray. And pray for healing, pray for prosperity, pray for this, pray for that. God said, that's what Jesus said. I said, this prayer points. It's not as if they are bad in themselves, but they are unnecessary. That if you were seeking, if you were seeking the kingdom and his righteousness, these things would have been added automatically. That they have become a prayer point is where the problem is. So God said to Solomon, when he sought the kingdom in one prayer, that you will never have to pray for money again. That's what he said to him. He said, you will never have to pray for money again. Just because you made the right request when I gave you the opportunity. He said, you will never have to pray for money again. You will not have to pray for long life. You will not have to pray for wealth. You will not have to pray for honor. What does that tell you? If Solomon wanted to continually, that is, I don't want to use the word wanted. That, I don't want that to be his focus. If Solomon would, yeah, that's a better way to say it. If Solomon would have continually focused on wisdom and establishing Israel as the real kingdom of God on the earth, dying would have been a problem. Sickness would have been hard to find, both in his life and in Israel. If he would have focused that every day, he would say the wisdom of God must be established in this land. Justice must be done. Righteousness must prevail. And he will do what God said through Moses. He will take the book from Genesis all the way to the end of Deuteronomy and read it. He can go through that no matter how busy he is. You could have been able to go through that in a week 
And that's reading just a few portions, like twice a day. 30 minutes in the morning, 30 in the evening. And that means we go through the scroll at least 52 times a year. And God said, this he shall do all the days of his life. And he'll just rise up in the morning, judge on righteousness. In the evening, teach righteousness. Because what I mean by he will sit in judgment in the morning and the evening. Because if you remember, if you read your Bible well, reading between the lines, Solomon was a teacher. He held teaching sessions. People gathered in auditoria to listen to him. Solomon had schools teaching wisdom. So he would just do his judgment of, of Israel in the morning. In the evening, he would go and teach the, the word. At night, he studies his own scriptures. And in the morning, he studies his own scriptures. If he did that and continued doing that, he would not have been able to marry that number of wives. I say to the Christian a lot of times, some of the things we say we are struggling with, that, those are not our struggles. If you are struggling with, with chasing women, I say you are a Christian, either you are not born again, or you are not reading your Bible. Listen, Christian activity and Christianity are not the same thing. So. You go to a church often, it's not Christianity. Some people are on the streets, ringing bell and preaching, repent for the kingdom of God. As soon as I look at them, I say, do you think anybody is listening to you? No, sometimes I look at them and say, they'll be ringing bell. Bang down, repent. I say, well, what do you think you are? Micah. You feel like a prophet? Nobody is listening to you. You are just doing this to be, so you can say that I proclaim the kingdom. You are not trying to contact or interact, connect with anybody. You just do your religious duty. Now come back sweating. Christian activity and Christianity are two different things. Real Christianity is that the word fills you, then it erupts. You preach the gospel as an overflow of what you really believe, not a duty you are trying to fulfill. That's why some people have preached the gospel at the risk of their lives inside of Saudi Arabia. Not because they wanted to fulfill a doctor, you know. They just said, listen. And, but the story I, I, I have in mind now is a man, you know, the way, like right now, is, 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 is trending now in Nigeria. A lot of Nigerian doctors are going to Saudi Arabia to go and bring a lot of petrol dollar back home. It's trending now. I have, I have my classmates are there. I have a lot of my colleagues who are there. If I one guy, he said, once he come, comes back, he's come back to retire. He's going to come back with so much money that there's no need to walk. <laughs> you understand? So one guy was there that day. I heard the story. And it was, you know, it was a um, physician, very high ranking. Anyway, the royal family, one of their physicians. So a member of the royal family was sick. And as the doctor, they had tried everything. The doctor had tried everything, and he knew there was nothing they could do. So you're watching the woman pine away, going to die, and everybody, and they loved the woman. Everybody, she was sick. He just called one guy. Now, he wasn't trying to die. He wasn't like, let them behead me or not behead me. He just called them and said, please, oh, I hope you guys don't mind. What don't you mind? What don't you mind? You know I'm not a Muslim. I, they, they know. They know that I mean you are, you are an expatriate doctor. I'm a Christian, but if you don't mind, I could pray for her. And my God <laughs> answers prayers. You know, it wasn't like let me witness. It was like look at the situation. What do we do about it? And they said, ah, why not? So he prayed, and the woman got healed. And the family began to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And they didn't tell anybody. So that, that's what I mean. So, you see, that is not like, let me do my, have I witnessed today? That is good. I'm not saying it's bad though. I'm just saying that in that situation, it was an eruption of what a man really believed. 
Paul saw people worshipping, say to an unknown God. He said, ah, you guys don't know him. Can I introduce him to you? The one you worship as unknown, that's the one I have come to. You know he's there, just that you did not know him. Well, let me declare him to you. I happen to know him. Let's gather and meet. Let's discuss. I hope you're getting my point. That this is not just like, let's do a duty. It's an eruption of what has filled the heart. That's what I mean when I say Christianity and Christian activity. They are not the same things at all. Through Christianity, activities are generated from interacting with the right things. So Solomon sought the kingdom, like I was saying. And Jesus said, if you, if you will seek the kingdom, he will say all other things will be added to you. Now you see the context we read here. And Jesus says something to us there, please. We're talking about the higher purpose of Christian prayer. Remember that. I just took time again to explain what fasting is for us believers. Let's understand the purpose and how we operate it. The purpose is to get the bread from heaven. The, po- the aim is not to try and impress God with our suffering. No, it's just to show him how serious we are about receiving the bread from heaven with which we will pass through the next phase of our lives. That's what Christianity is. That's what fasting is for us believers. So now, how do we use prayer now to serve a particular purpose? I'm trying to explain here. We have seen the issue of the bread from heaven. The first day, even though we didn't read it from here, but we, are, we alluded to the fact that he said that, um, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And we'll talk about the grace to overcome. And that is one important thing that Christians use prayer for. So you see, one, we talked about that temptation, overcoming temptation, living like Christ, having the character of God fully developed in us. The last one we have picked up is the issue of daily bread. And then I want to go to the next one, which is from, um, it's as if we are starting from verse 13 and walking our way back up. Very funny, right? <laughs> Let's go to verse 10. He said, this is one thing we must pray about. He said, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I need you to back up for a moment to verse 2. No, verse um, 5. Well, you can read verse... Okay, let me just start from verse 2. I will jump quickly and get down to 5. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as hypocrites do, so they may be honored by men. He said, truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. And I said, when you want to give, do it in secret. So your heavenly father who sees in secret will reward you. And I said, now please notice what will reward you. In verse 5 now, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Please notice the similarity between the act of giving and the act of praying for public show. In verse 2, they give so that men may honor them. In verse 5, they also pray so that men may honor them. He said, they stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. When you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I want to ask you a question. Because I want to use this one to open up what I want to explain in verse 10. Let me ask you a question. The Pharisee that is praying openly. Just think about it. Will he have prayed like this? 
Lord, the quarrel between my wife and I, it has to come to an end. I want peace in my house. Lord, the temptation to marry the other girl down the street, I want you to help me. Sorry, let me ask you. Will he have prayed that openly? Let's ask another question. Will he have prayed and said, Lord, I'm owing everybody, I'm owing everybody. I need prosperity. Send prosperity now so I can pay my debts. Please, think about it. Will anybody pray that openly? When we're on campus those days, when men want to pray. No, we had our praying arena, sports complex. When you get there, you will never hear anybody pray anything private. Even though some brethren will pray from sports complex, and we'll be hearing them in the hostels. Around 3 a.m., when all, of, all men have slept, if you wake up, one of our brothers, you, you will be able to hear his voice. We used to call him Baba Stivo. I'm not exaggerating, no. You are in the hostel. I've forgotten how many meters between the hostel and the sports complex. For if you know University of Benin, you know what I'm talking about. Sports complex near the gate. The hostel is somewhere deep inside the campus. At night, you will hear the voices. But we never heard anybody pray loud his personal request. Never. They will worship loudly. God of miracles. Do something new in my life. They will sing all kinds of songs. Oh, if it is praying in tongues, that one. In fact, the one we used to hear in hostel, it was tongues. It was not normal. Can't speak normal English that loud. But nobody will say, Lord, this part of my body is aching. Come and heal it. And you hear it openly. No, no. When get, after they finish worshiping, when time for petition, all the voices will vanish. <laughs> it now becomes private. He that speaketh in an, you know, speaketh not unto man. How beat in his quietness is altering his personal needs to God. Nobody prays aloud. And it's better. Ah, even Hannah, when she entered the temple, got to the tabernacle. <laughs> Eli thought she was drunk because personal things are said quietly. No matter how much you are gyrating, you will not say it loud. <laughs> what am I going to explain here? So when the Lord said that they prayed prayers openly that they may be seen and honored by men, what does that tell you? They were not praying their personal prayers. It was not just prayers. They were asking, they were saying the kind of prayers that men will honor them for saying. I can assure you, they were not even just worshiping. What were they praying for? I think I have the answer. They were praying for the redemption of Israel. They were praying for the establishment of the kingdom of God the way they understood it. Most importantly, they were praying for the deliverance from captivity that Israel was in. Remember, when Jesus, after resurrection, spoke when he was about to go, what did the disciples say to him? Will you at this time restore the kingdom back to Israel? That was the mood of the nation. So when the Pharisees want to pray, they would look for a, 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 a psalm and chant it aloud. Oh, Redeemer of Israel, we are in captivity, we are in bondage of the Romans. How long before you deliver us? The God that by ten plagues brought us out of Egypt. By the hand of Moses and his staff, he opened the Red Sea. 
The God that brought water out of the flinty rock. The God that rained manna from heaven for 40 years. The God that drove out our enemies from the land and established us in the promised land. The God of Daniel. The God that spoke to Daniel that the captivity shall come to an end. The God that spoke to Jeremiah and Daniel read in the book. They will chant and chant. And people say, ah, this is what they have passion for Israel. Take it from me. That's what they were praying. It was not a bad prayer. It was a good prayer in itself, but they did it for sure. He said, ah, that brother can pray. When you see him praying for Israel, hey! the same brother will pray for Israel that when it's time for his own personal and he says, Lord, I can always talk about this in the closet. This one is for them to hear. Let me quickly drop this. Jesus said they have their reward. What does that tell you? There's a kind of prayer you pray and it has reward. There's a difference between reward and answer. Never forget it. If you ask for food and God gives you food, that's not a reward. That's an answer. Oh, it's an answer. It's not a reward. A reward is when you make petitions not for yourself. And God says, because you have asked this for somebody else, why do you ask for food for your friend? Take this food for your friend. Meanwhile, take this gold for yourself. Why are you giving me gold? I see the love you have for your friends in your heart. So, praying the right prayer and giving, they are the same thing. I don't know whether you get my point. Yes. We can give money, we can give material things. We can also say the right prayers and all of them are spiritual seeds. Please, I hope you are getting my point here. Is it, is it, you see what I'm going to emphasize to us? Trying, trying to bring out from here. So, we're talking about the higher purpose for Christian prayer. Without planning it, we began from below. Help us against temptation. Bring Christ-likeness out. That is into manifestation in our lives. Number two, give us our daily bread. We took it from below. Now, we're not talking about number three now, which is verse 10. Jesus said, pray this prayer. Your kingdom come. That is, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is written in heaven. Please, not as it is being done in heaven. That doesn't have any meaning. That will be done on earth as it has been determined in heaven. That's what he was saying. That will be done on earth as it has been recorded. The best way to explain it, so that we can feed the literal, you know, expression in the Greek, the way Jesus said it is this, that it will be done on earth as it exists in heaven. Not as it is being done in heaven. No. That is what God has done is to record his will and pronounce his will. What prophets did was that they will go into the heavens, they will see the record of the will of God, they will come down to the earth and pronounce it. So when you see any prophetic word, that is the will that is written in heaven. So what Christians do is to pray, take the will written in heaven and pray it into existence on the earth. Let's take a man like Daniel as an example again. Daniel, once, he saw the record of heaven, which Jeremiah saw. So he said, I, Daniel, understood by reading the book of Jeremiah the number of years that God had determined during which he will accomplish the desolation of Jerusalem. 
that is 70 years. So, I took that wheel. Do you follow my point? That wheel that's in heaven. And I took it to prayer and said, Thy kingdom come. Let thy will be done on earth as it has been recorded in heaven. What is the will? The deliverance of Israel from captivity. I hope you're getting my point. He wasn't talking about an arbitrary thing that, ha, the angels are doing the will of God in heaven. They rebelled at a time, so forget that. That's not what he was saying. He was saying that God has a will which is recorded. And that will will never be done on the earth until, because he said the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, the earth he has given to the sons of men. So what God does is that he writes his will. We read the will through the prophets. I hope you're getting my point. So a man like Daniel, he prophesied. The angels came, they told him things. Visions were given to Daniel. So Daniel gave us the will of God spanning many generations. So if we see one that for certain reasons, because what God does in each season, now listen to what I want to say, very true. In each season, God stirs up the hearts of people to amplify a certain will that should be executed in their generation. Did you hear what I said? Listen, and that's the job of prophets. Can I quickly say that to you? New Testament prophets, that's their job. Not to be telling, there's one man I watch on TV. And I just want to, I tell my wife, my wife says, why are you watching this guy? I say, I want to place him. I just want to place him. I'm not trying to, the Bible says, judge all things. You understand my point? Uh-huh. Yeah, I test every spirit. Let me see what's going on. Now, what a lot of people call prophets is who can see what's in your pocket. I said, this man, that's all he does. I've watched him a number of times. So many times, actually. Once he starts ministering, it is people will line up, pick them one by one. Last week, you met a man. He's a white man. And he wants to help you in your business. And he's going to invest $10,000. And then this one. And then as we're coming, then he will describe when he's done with that one. And I'll say, let me deliver you. Then he will pray for you. Then he goes to the next person. He does that one after the other. And a lot of pastors in Nigeria have started copying those and not calling themselves prophets. Hear you the word of the Lord. You are not the prophet. Let me tell you how to know a false prophet. I need to say that one. A false prophet is anybody. Now, there are different kinds of false prophets. There's this, there's this technologically relevant false prophecy. <laughs> anybody that's identifying somebody as the cause of your problem is a false prophet. You have a problem, and they say that it gives you, listen, I don't care how accurate it is. Tells you there is a woman in your village, or poor mother-in-law, or an auntie, or your sister-in-law, or your younger sister, and every time, and you see how you will know them. I'm sorry, let me say, if you like, be angry, but it's the truth. Once you see them, they will go through ten people, and that's the same prescription for everybody's problem. Have you noticed it? That is how you know a prophet is false. They're all over town. That is a little more. Once you just see it, somebody just stand up like this. Yeah, time to minister. You. You want a breakthrough in your life. Sorry, who does not want breakthrough in his life? You want a breakthrough in your life. But it is holding back. It is holding back. There is a man in charge. The man says you will not break through until he has died. But let me tell you, he is going to die. Hey, hey, hey. You have a black man. He's an uncle in your village. And a yellow man. The two of them. And then I'm done with you. And then, of course, receive, 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 receive. <laughs> then I come to you. You want to overcome. 
say he wants to break through. This one wants to overcome. You want to overcome, but it is not happening. It looks like you are undercoming instead of overcoming. They are holding your destiny. They, I see them. The Lord carried me in the spirit. And I saw where they were tying it. And they were tying it. But today, it is over. 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 There is your turn. You want to blow. But the fuse is not lighted. There are three people. And am I lying to you? If you have not seen it, then you don't have strong TV. <laughs> you don't have strong decoder. Hear ye the truth. is all false prophecy. Every single one. False prophecy. Oh, there was a time they described for you accurately the face of the man who lives next door to you. It's still a false prophecy. A, false, a, a Christian prophet is not the one that identified the, the face of your neighborhood. Let me tell you the primary assignment of a Christian prophet. There is a pool of prophecy in scripture. He knows the one that is relevant for each time. I don't know whether you're getting my point. He can tell you the mind of God for each season. That is the job of a true prophet. Who will win Manchester United against Liverpool? It's not his problem. And can I tell you something? You don't have to be a prophet to know that one. Every shaman can do it. Because the truth is that every match you watch on this earth was played, I don't know, the time lapse in the realm of the spirit before the guys got to the pitch. The match was over. Listen, before they wore their boots, their jerseys, the match was over. Everything you do on the earth is first of all done spiritually. And many times, listen to this, you know, I told you the other time about, um, about uh, spiritualism. You can learn the trick. Some of them involve killing one animal, killing another animal. Some of them involve all kinds of things. Some of them involve personal, no, injury, sacrifice, dep- deprivation. All of them is spiritual dyna- gymnastics. And it's possible for you to carry yourself into the realm of the spirit and watch the match live. And I come down to the earth. And tell them in the 32nd minute, Ronaldo will score. Then this will, op- uh, will equalize in the 61st minute. But don't worry. This match will go into overtime. And this is the person who will win. Someone say, ah, why don't we do it and make money? They do. They do. The only thing I personally believe is that those who really see it, before you can get to that level of spiritual insight, hmm, you will have lost appetite for money. Because the more you see of the realm of the spirit, the less this physical world impresses you. So please, prophecy is not that uh, you saw who won a match. We can see who win matches. Are you hearing my point? No, that's not the prophecy. That's not prophecy. Prophecy is this. God has a mind for each season. And you know exactly what God, God's mind is. In the midst of the multitude of the counsel of God. That was why before Jesus was born, for many decades, and paraventure a few centuries, I don't know how long, there was an intensity of prayer that was rising up. 
championed by people like Simeon and Hannah. Simeon had prayed in my own estimate for nothing less than 50, 60, possibly 100 years. Simeon was not a child. He was not 70 years old. Simeon was not 80 years old. I don't believe Simeon was even 90 years old. If you tell me to estimate the age of Simeon, I'll put it at 130. Minimum. When he walked into the temple. Why will a man be glad to die if he had not lived for so long? As soon as he saw Jesus, he said, now your servant can depart in peace. That is, he was waiting for that day. Tell me to estimate his age. I put in fact possibly 200 years old. Why did I choose 200 years? Because there were men shortly before him who were living to be 160. That's just, that, nothing, I'm not saying the Lord said no, I'm just giving you an idea. That was why a young woman would lose her husband. But for the rest of her life, she's old. She's not, you know, she's not dissatisfied with just staying in the temple and offering sacrifices. Do you know why? There was a mood in that season. Not only in Israel, but all over the world. So that astrologers from far saw the star and said, that's what we've been looking for. They were looking for it every night. It was the season for the revelation of the salvation of God. In each season, there are prophetic words that are important. That is what New Testament prophets do. They dig out the relevant ones for the season. And they speak and tell people, this is the counsel of God for the hour. Who's born in come to your village is not their problem. Let me tell you why all those things they do is their lies. If they were a true prophet, you would have known the counsel of God that no enchantment works against Jacob. Any prophet that has seen people who are born in Canada to hold your destiny is blind. You should have known that that fellow he's talking to is not a believer. Because if you can burn candles to hold somebody's destiny, that fellow is not born again. Because if you light a candle or offer a sacrifice to try and hold the destiny of somebody who is truly born again, that candle will catch the edge of your cloth and you will burn and you will die. Your arrow will have entered into your own heart. So a prophet telling you that they are doing you from the village is stupid. Stupid, stupid, or oh, it's not a real prophet. What nonsense is that? You should have asked, oh boy, the witches in your village are after you and they are affecting you. Which, whose wife did you collect? Immediately, his mind will come back to you. He will say, ah, I see in the spirit men pursuing you with weapons and they are striking you and it is hitting you. He won't chase the men. He will say, what is the problem? What did you do? Because he knows that a curse causeless shall not come. One of my brothers told me a story. A spiritual manifestation. He's a pastor somewhere not too far from here. So once a lady called him. And this lady was brutally under oppression, brutally, brutally under attack. And she called, Pastor, help me. So he began to pray. He began to pray. He said, suddenly he heard two people shout as he was praying. Just heard it in the spirit. She has our money. Ah, so she called her and said, look, look, look. Two men are after you and you have their money. What is the problem? That's why she confessed. What are those people are doing juju against her? I don't know. Because sometimes if the sinner flees when nobody is pursuing her with juju. It turned out that she was just a crook of a human being. Promising men married to get their money. 
One of those men actually sponsored her to go abroad and go and do a program. Came back and changed. She now said that the Lord spoke to her. She doesn't want to marry again. Oyoshi. Barao. I don't believe those men were after her. Is that evil spirits took advantage of the evil in her heart and began to oppress. They took her sleep away. She could not sleep. But my friend who, pray, who she called prayed. Did not talk about anybody, demons. He just said, hey, 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 wait, wait, wait. My sister, whose money do you have? Whose money is it? That's why she now confessed. Forget all these false prophets I'll be telling you. You look at a sinner. You know what the Bible says? Woe to him that looks at a sinner and says he shall be well with him. <laughs> hey. That's okay with it. Remember the man who came to see you? Talking about how they are attacking, they needed prayer, all those kind of things. He looked at, he looked at, he said, bros, tell me, tell me the truth. You're an adulterer. And they looked, say, which kind of pastor is this one? He didn't ask him for seed. That's why he didn't get any money. <laughs> Nothing now. He had gone every, he had paid big money for deliverance. Came to this, see this man. This man, you're looking and say, <laughs> you need deliverance. Let me tell you, you need deliverance from adultery. Stop committing adultery or these opponents will disappear. Give your life to live your life to Christ truly. Not this one saved, always saved joke that you are hiding your iniquity under. People tell you that the works of a believer does not matter, it's saved by grace. It's only faith. Faith, faith alone. James had to write, Don't you know that some faith can be dead? And that if the faith is dead, can it still save? That was what James was saying. He said, if the faith is dead, can it save? He said, Can such a faith save anyone? People argue with you that no, it's only by faith. We well, know. We are not arguing with you. We are just saying faith that is dead and the one that's alive, they look alike. Just like if I boil a grain of corn, then dry it, and I take one, you know, that just been stored. I showed both of them to you. You can't tell the difference. I just parboil one. The one that I parboiled is dead. The one that did not parboil is a living seed. And you cannot know until I plant both of them. So James said, how do I know your faith is alive? Let me see, we are planted into the society. Let's see the works it produces. If it produces dead works, dead faith, it does not save people. The Lord is good. We are talking about what we, would, what we do with prayer. I digress into that, trying to talk about true prophecy. A real Christian prophet is not there trying to peep into your nose, into your eye, to see who are these evil spirits in your village. No. He decodes the mind of the spirit concerning what is relevant in what God is doing today. So men arose at that time and they began to prophesy. And the champion of all of them was John the Baptist. And the Bible, Jesus said it himself. He said, of all men born of women, none was as great as John. That is, John was the height of prophets. John came out to prophesy. You know what he said? Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. That was the height of it. That was a real prophet. Jesus said himself. He said, <laughs> he went to see, the, what did he go to look for? A prophet. He said more than a prophet. That's how Jesus described John. Because John was a culmination of the pressure of the spirit. People had been praying and praying. Then John was released as a result of those prayers that God had answered. 
And he said, hey guys, the answer is about to come. But for it to come, we have one last preparation. Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. I hope you're getting my point here. Simeon and Co. they had been praying. Let me tell you the truth. Men prayed all over the world. There were people in Africa then praying. They didn't know Moses. They did not know Abraham. But there was a cry in their spirit for freedom. They were tired of being slaves. They've been slaves for a long time. Black people have been slaves for a very long time. They were tired of being slaves. So they prayed. People in South America were praying. They were tired. Disease was wiping them out. We were wiping them out. All kinds of problems. And they were crying for redemption. And they said, save us now. 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 And men were crying all over the place. And that's why Jesus was born. And the moment he was born, the star went and showed those who were in the realm of the spirit looking out, looking into the heavens for the sign. God gave them a sign. Say, follow that star. to take you to where he's been born. If you read the, the book, the Maharishi of Mount Kailash, written by Sadhus and the Sarabharaj, you will see that those men came from India. They came from far to come and worship. They were not Jews. I hope you are getting my point here. So when Jesus taught us to pray, said, thy will be done on earth as it is written in heaven. What he's saying is that as we feed ourselves with the word of God, events of life, breathed upon, because when there's darkness, you know one of the things you find out, the Holy Spirit starts hovering over this darkness. I hope you're getting my point. Over the surface of the waters, the Holy Spirit will be hovering. So in the midst of corruption in Nigeria, the Holy Spirit is hovering. And then he indwells somebody, he brings one scripture and shows it to him. It becomes a prayer. It may be something as simple as, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. And when he says that, he's describing corruption in the land. He's describing darkness in the church. I hope you're getting my point. He's describing trouble all over the land. And every day he's praying, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. Let those who, you know, who hate you, you know, be troubled. Let them be disturbed. And what, what is it, what's he talking about? He's not talking about the witches that say I will not prosper. I told you before. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Jesus did not die to give you a new message, Benzo. The reference said, now I want to put my own words to what he said. When God breathed, that when the Holy Spirit was hovering upon the darkness, the waters, in the time of darkness of, of, of the Second World War, he discovered the mind of the Spirit. He did not know it the way I'm explaining it now. But he discovered that what God was saying is that, that the Allied forces needed to win the war. That the time had come for the Axis, that is, um, Germany, Italy, Japan, to be defeated. But that, as things are right now, the counsel of God cannot be affected. So the young believer that he was, what did Derek Prince see? He just saw the indiscipline in the British soldier, the British officers, that led to, led to loss of morale in the British soldiers. So he said, I need to pray. He didn't know that time. But he began to pray what he called specific, directed, Holy Spirit-inspired prayers, which was drawn from the Word of God. And in his own case, it was summarized like this. Give us leaders so that it will be to your glory to give us um, victory through them. He began to pray that prayer every day. It's not all my enemies. Die, die, 
that no, Lord, give us leaders. This war is not going the way you want it to go. It is time for you to avenge yourself of your adversaries. Thus far, this destruction and no further. I'm putting my own words to it now. But what does the Holy Spirit tell him? Just say this. Give us leaders so that it will be to your glory to give us victory through them. You know what happened? They sacked the commander of the Allied forces in North Africa. He was sacked. Then they brought a new commander, which was not the will of God. And as he was about to land, the plane crash landed as it was touching down. He was thrown out of the plane. He broke his neck and he died too. And then, so, now that decision to choose that man, we don't have the details, but it was chosen by the council of war. But then the prime minister, what is his name? Winston Churchill, had to make a unilateral decision without consulting anybody. Then he picked an unknown general, Bernard Montgomery, and, tra- and said, you, go and take over, commanding the Allied forces. And that one, the same as soon as he arrived, <laughs> he woke everybody up, took the officers, turned it upside down, shook them properly, put everybody in line. Instantly, morale was boosted amongst the soldiers. He made it clear he was a no-nonsense man. And when he will be going for battle, the final battle, which he described as a battle of El Alamein, after they had suffered a long string of defeats, this was a decisive battle. He gathered his men. He said, now let us pray. He was a son of a Baptist minister, a true believer himself. He said, let us pray to the Lord of heaven to give us victory in this battle. Did you hear what I said? He had his tank, so he had his aircraft, he had everything, but he gathered his men. That if God does not give us this victory, we can't have it. And that was it. After that battle, there was no going back. That was how they rode into Germany for the Allied forces and destroyed the whole. That's how they won the battle. That is in each season, there is a song that the Spirit is saying. And we can never hear it when we are worried about what shall we eat, what shall we drink, and wherewithal shall we be clothed. When we are comparing the roads in Nigeria to the roads in America, when we are comparing, you know, how power does not fail in one country with how it feels in your country. When you have become murmurous. I wanted to teach last time, but you didn't let me get there. Neither Momoi. I have that message waiting. I hope it's not, I hope it's the message of the Spirit, not my own message, because the kind of verse where they take, you know, when man don't provoke, you don't know when it is your Spirit now, or it is the Holy Spirit. Because when you are angry, you will preach your anger, unless you fast and pray. So that neither momo he. I don't know whether it's my anger <laughs> or the spirit of God. Because I'm tired of Christians that momo. Every little thing. Eh? Look at the plate we are using to eat. It's even cracked. <laughs> they forgot that they said what? The plate we are what? Using, using to do what? You are eating. The plate we are using to eat. When God said, when you saw the food, you should have broken into Spiritual dance. Hallelujah. Manna. Hey, hey, manna. <laughs> so the plate is broken. God said, don't worry. You will come tomorrow. If you see food there, I'm not God. <laughs> the Lord is good. When we are murmuring, we can't hear the mind of the Spirit for each season. 
Let's rise to our feet. When we are murmuring, we cannot hear the mind of the Spirit for each season. Let's start with one prayer this evening. Say, Lord, give me the prayer for the season. Say, simple prayer. The will that must be done in this season. I believe it starts from the church. There are things that God needs to do in the church to cleanse the church of unrighteousness. It says, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. Let lying in your name be scattered. Let the worship of mammon be scattered. Arise, O Lord. It's an important prayer. Say, Lord, give me your prayer. Give me your prayer. Give me a prophetic eye. Let me see what you are doing in this season. Say, Lord, give me a prophetic eye. So I will not be wasting this energy, this spiritual power that you have given me. Sometimes it is for your home. God says, set this home right. I want to use your family. Every family has an assignment to do for God. Every family. Every family. Once God establishes you in a family, either you are a member or you are the head of it, or you are a co, you know, co-heir with your husband. But every family has an assignment they must perform for God. Sometimes, that's what he said. Decode my assignment for your family and pray. Ah! Satan has wasted us by distracting us. The simple things like, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Men are shifting up and down because of what they will eat. They are relocating from one state to another, one town to another, changing one job for another, one country to another, because me too, I need to eat. Because if only you have sought the kingdom, I will have ensured you will never have to pray for food. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Say, Lord, give me prophetic eyes. Let me know what to pray for my family. Let me know what to pray for your church. Say, Lord, give me prophetic eyes. I need to know words to speak. Words to utter. Ah, listen, God says the delay in many things we want to see is that men are not offering the right prayers. The church is not offering the right prayers. 95% of the times they gather to pray is prayers that are not useful for anything serious. Okay, all the witches are dead. Does that make you victors? Okay, now you have bought the house. Does that make you a victor? What does that make you? You have added houses to houses. Does that make you a winner? Jesus is not better represented on the earth. Say, Lord, give me prophetic eyes. I need to know what to pray about. The will of God must be established by our prayer. That's where we focus our energy. Listen, people prayed until Jesus was born. That is, they dragged him from heaven. They dragged him from heaven. 
When you hear the word Hosanna, Hosanna is not a word of worship. It's a prayer. Save us now. Save us now. Save us now. That is the meaning of Hosanna. Men prayed. He said, Lo, I come. In the volume of the books that is written of me, I have come to do thy will. People prayed until the will of God became real. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Say to the Lord, enough of prayer wasting. Enough of time wasting. It is time to say to God, ah, the stories of old we heard about, is the Holy Spirit withdrawn? It's time to say to him, this is the day of the power of God. Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. I don't mean Boko Haram. No. I don't mean headsmen. No. Those are not the real enemies. It's like thinking Rome was the real enemy. In those days. No, Rome wasn't. It was bondage to sin. That's why Jesus came to freedom from sin. John came with a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Sin was a problem. Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. What is the enemy of God right now? It's wrong focus in the church. It's wrong doctrine in his church. It's the elevation of foolishness amongst his ministers. That is that those are his enemies. When foolishness has been set in high places, those are the enemies that God is contending with in this season. Pray, arise, O Lord, let those enemies be scattered. As for me, Lord, treat me the way you treated Daniel. Open the book to me. Let me see what you want to do in this season. I don't want to be praying prayers of 300 years ago. Or 300 years to come. When there is something you want to do in my lifetime. That has not yet been done and cannot be done. Because we are not filling the incense with real prayers. Or filling the censer with real incense of real prayers. Say, Lord, fill me with the Spirit afresh. I want to speak a new tongue that will be the bellowings of the Spirit, uttering the will of God for this season. Oh, God didn't give the Holy Spirit so that we can pray in tongues. So that we can get food to eat. So we can get drink. No. That is, we groan in the spirit until the power of God is manifested in this season. That will not be telling stories of what happened of old. But that today, God is still doing a new thing. His power is still manifesting amongst his people. Say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Let's continue to pray and in that line that the Lord will fill us with his spirit again. 
that will know the prayer to pray for this season. Please pray that prayer. Say, Lord, the prayer for this season, for my life, for my family, for my business, for the church. There's a prayer that I want us to pray for this season. Let us that the Lord will fill us with the Spirit that will be able to decode that prayer for this season. There's a prayer for every season like we have learned today. And let us ask that the Holy Spirit will give us that prayer for the season, for the church, for our lives. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Now we're going to pray. We're going to pray. There was something Pastor said, and I think I'm led to pray along that line. Let's pray that the Lord will help us not to feed the flesh. Praise the Lord. I don't know if you listened to the analogy he gave, um, of course, through um, Derek Prince, citing Derek Prince, sorry, when he said a lot of Christians are feeding the flesh. A lot of us are feeding the flesh. And um, scripture is always true and will continue to be true that if we sow to the flesh, of the flesh we are going to reap corruption. Praise the Lord. So we're going to pray for ourselves that the Lord will help us that will stop, you know, see the statistics. A lot of us as Christians, we spend about three hours every day watching television. Of course, not even talking about phones now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Then, one hour a week feeding the Spirit. One, I, I think we need to pray along that line. So let us pray for the discipline to feed the Spirit and not to feed the flesh. Can we open our mouth and pray along that line? And say, Lord, help me. Help me. Help me. It's real discipline. It's real discipline. And Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 said we have that spirit. And it's a spirit of self-control. So pray. Ask that the Lord will help you. That that spirit of self-control. That it be active in your life. That you will not feed this flesh, but rather you will feed the spirit. Oh, if we want to gain from the spirit, we have to give attention to spiritual things. Brethren, let us pray this evening. We came here to pray. Ask that the Lord will give you grace. That that spirit of self-control, that discipline, to feed the spirit alone. That the Lord will help you to discipline yourself. You have the spirit of God. And what part of what the Spirit uh, produces in your life is self-control. Then we'll pray. Pray. And say, Lord, I receive grace this evening to be disciplined. I receive grace this evening. I'd like us to be provoked to go home and start feeding again our spirits, spending time again. Brethren, please pray that the Lord will help us. The Lord will help us. We'll fed the flesh. So we are reaping from what we have been feeding. We've been reaping corruption. Lack of vision. No movement. Spiritual movement. It's because we have been feeding the flesh. So we are reaping from the flesh. And sometimes we get little results and we are happy. But no, we are not longer satisfied with where we are. Ask that the Lord will help you to discipline yourself. To discipline yourself. No longer again. The amount of time, money, attention we've given to the flesh will no longer again give such attention to the flesh. 
but rather the spirit we will continually feed. Is work, but we will by the grace of God. Please pray. Take one, two minutes to pray about that again. Say, Lord, help me to feed my spirit. Some of us used to wake up at night before to pray, study the Bible. We just take 30 minutes, one hour, but we've stopped. No, we need to go back. We need to go back. Ask that the Lord will give you the, that hunger, spiritual hunger, spiritual hunger. Pray. Say, Lord, give me that hunger, hunger of the spirit. Make me hungry. Pray. Some of us, even while we were in the toilet before, we read our Bibles, but now we don't again. Pray. Say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. That Bible study group you started, now, no strength again. Ask that the Lord will help you. That you will feed your spirit. No longer again we will give so much attention to the flesh. So that we will not reap corruption. The word of God is true. The word of God is true. If we give attention to the spirit, the life comes in. Lord, our prayer this evening is that you will help us not to feed the flesh. Because whatever you feed will grow. Whatever you feed will grow. But we'll starve the flesh and feed our spirits. Let's begin to give God thanks. Thank him for the word, for stirring us up again this evening. Open your mouth and thank him. For stirring us up. For stirring us up. For pushing us. Say thank you. Let your voice reach him in thanksgiving. Say, Lord, thank you for stirring us up this evening. We are stirred up. We are stirred up. We are stirred up. We've relaxed for too long, but Lord, thank you for stirring us up this evening. We go, Lord, with this fire. We go home, Lord, with this fire. And Lord, people around us, we contact this fire. In the name of Jesus. Father, we give you praise. Thank you so much. Thank you. Earlier we prayed and Lord you answered us by sending your words to us. We have come again to say thank you. Blessed be God forever. In the name of Jesus we have prayed. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. My prayer for myself and for you is that we will go home with this fire. Amen. And we will just keep burning for the Lord. God will speak to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Shall we give the Lord thanks once again and say, Lord, thank you, Lord, for sending your word to us. Give him thanks once again. We'll never be tired of doing that. We will never be tired of it. He's never tired of feeding us and we'll never be tired of giving him thanks. Give him thanks and say, Lord, thank you. Blessed be God forever. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. You're coming for the first time. I